All right, y'all, welcome to the Mad Rhythms Podcast Network. This is the Either And Podcast, and I'm your host, Brill Barrett. When there's contention or controversy, most people believe the solution has to be either or. I believe the solution lies somewhere in either and. All right, y'all, welcome to the latest episode of the Either And Podcast. I am your host, Brill Barrett, and you already know we're going to talk. But this time, we're going to talk tap. So check this out. It's interesting how this conversation came about. Um, I just finished my um, grown and sexy tap class. That's my adult beginner tap classes for adult beginners. <laughs> but, you know, for 18 and over, some years ago, I would always run into adults who said, uh, I always wanted to tap. And then I would say, well, why didn't you? And they would say, well, either it's too late. You know, I wanted to when I was a child, but now that I'm an adult, I have to work a job, yada, yada, yada. Or I used to when I was young, and now I don't, you know, know if it's possible to learn. Or, because I don't want to be in a room full of five-year-olds trying to learn beginner tap, because most beginner classes are targeted towards children. And so, it's with... Those conversations in mind that I started years back, I called it, you're never too old to start. Because literally, I was trying to let people know from the title of the class that it's never too late, you're never too old to start tap dancing. And then, after it was that for years, then I retooled it into this thing called um, Grown and Sexy Tap. And I was like, because, you know, it just sounds, it you know, it sounds good. And, and sometimes folks would be like, well, how grown and sexy, how sexy we going to get? And I would always say, well, we're going to dance to some sexy jazz. We're going to dance to, uh, you know. But the, the reality was it, it was just about adults feeling comfortable enough in a space of their own to learn tap and being able to let their guard down. Because, you know, by the time you're an adult, you've gotten good at things and you've gotten good at things based on how long you've been studying those things. So usually picking up something new is not always so easy for adults. Because I know myself, when I try to learn something new, I want to be good at it immediately. And when I'm not, it's frustrating. So I only imagine that that's what adults who are coming into tap dance later in life must be feeling and or going through. So with that being said, that's a little brief history at the Mad Rhythms Tap Academy now, we've been doing uh, adult tap classes for many, many years. Some people really are serious and just are looking for that environment. And some people just, uh, a couple of people have told me, like, exercise, I don't want to do regular exercise. Like, this is a fun way for me to exercise. And so, yeah, we have these classes, weekly classes, catered, you know, towards adults, especially adult beginners. And that's just kind of how things are. So it was interesting. Today we were doing some technique stuff. And I don't know if y'all noticed, but my producer, Vanessa Abram, also is a tap dancer. Also went to the Mayfair Academy here in Chicago when she was younger. Studied under Trey Dumas, one of the, the co-founder of Mad Rhythms. So it's funny. It's such a small world. It's in a connected world. But anyway... We were doing some um, some basic technique stuff today. And afterwards, she was sharing with me that 
it's so hard for her to do certain things, not because the step is hard, but the way the steps are ordered is different than the way she learned. So when she puts her foot forward to try to do a flap after a certain step, or no, to not do a flap, puts her foot forward, and then the step I was doing with this, I was teaching them a, a nice swing time step. You bring your foot back, she wants to flap because in the technique that she learned, which was uh, you know from the Mayfair School, the Tommy Sutton technique, exercises one, two, three, four. If you don't know, look it up. One of our Chicago tap historical legends, Tommy Sutton, um, the flap always came after the foot went forward in that direction. So it started us to talking about like my methodology and why I teach the way I teach. And then obviously led to a podcast episode. <laughs> so here we are talking about me, uh, my teaching ideologies, my um, pedagogy, if you will. Yes, I learned a big word, but really like, and and I have to preface this by saying also that I've traveled and like, like Chicago has a reputation and I didn't know until people started asking me that Chicago may even have its own style and people will say, how do you describe the Chicago style of tap? And I would have no idea what they're talking about. I'm like, um, shuffle ball change. <laughs> like, um, and then to, to add to that, to take it a step further, some people are like, well, you know, how do you describe the mad rhythm style? And I'm like, oh, I, I didn't know that there was a Chicago style or a mad rhythm style. I just thought we were building upon the foundation laid by the the legends, the elders, the, the statesmen and women that came before us. <clears throat> so I don't credit it to a specific thing. I just know that when I am tap dancing and when I am teaching tap, I am trying to uphold the legacy and teach in respect to the standard that the elder statesmen and women laid down. And that's how I, you know, so yes, am I trying to be more like the hoofers uh, compared to what you saw on Broadway? Yes. Are we trying to be more musical uh, versus, I, I, I don't know, like, like just everything that came before us informs what we do now. And I think that's an important uh, element to this thing called tap dance. Like everywhere I go, somebody, well, first of all, when I teach and I love it in most of my classes, little boys always telling me, what they made up look i made up a step and i just laugh i watch it and then i tell them to go check out this piece of footage featuring this tap dancer so they can see that they didn't make up nothing uh tap is not even that crazy tap has about seven or eight basic steps everything after that is a combination of one or two of two or more of those sounds put together so there's not even a lot of steps in tap and a lot of steps you've got to learn for me what tap is about is the different approaches to putting those steps together and making combos and making rhythms, <laughs> i.e. mad rhythms, pun intended, all right? So I, I wait for you all to stop laughing. Good, 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 all right. So 
when when Vanessa and I'm going to go back when Vanessa and I were talking, you know, I started talking about that's why I try to teach um, in every way. Like if a step has, let's talk about a, for example, a paddle and roll. Some people call it a paradiddle, same step. Um, but most people either teach it with the heel drop as the one in the accent or the heel dig as the one in the accent. I teach it with the heel drop as a one in the accent or the heel dig as a one in the accent or the spank as a one in the accent or the toe as a one in the accent. So I teach that all four sounds involved in a paddle and roll can be the one or can be the accent because it doesn't even have to be the one. So you can do it in the order of heel, dig, spank, toe, heel, dig, spank, toe, or heel, dig, spank, toe, heel, dig, spank, toe, or heel, dig, spank, toe, heel, dig, spank, toe, or heel, dig, spank, toe, heel, dig, spank, toe. And that way, musically speaking, wherever you want to put that accent, you have the freedom to put it that way because you were trained that all of those steps are possibly accents to begin with. And I think that creativity and that freedom is what allows tap dancers that come under the Matt Rhythms pedagogy the freedom to explore the way that they explore. I love that Matt Rhythms is synonymous with dancing together but no two dancers looking the same because we encourage the individuality of each artist. Um, like when I come, when I look at clips of um, Coles and Atkins, a class act, well, Honey Coles and Charlie Atkins never looked exactly the same, but they were beautiful dancers together. The Nicholas brothers, they weren't always doing the exact same thing. But they were great together. Uh, the Hans brothers, they weren't always doing the exact same thing. Like, And I love that about the Hoofers where they danced the essence of what they wanted to say rhythmically and musically. And I always tell people, my teaching ideology is based on not only the good stuff I learned growing up, but also the things that I didn't learn or the bad stuff that I learned. For example, um, I like to call myself a vampire. This is funny, but just cause I'm, 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 I'm a night owl. I'm up all night. I'm always working at night. That's, that's when I don't know my creative juices flow. Right. But in terms of tap dancing, you know, I call myself a vampire in that I have weaknesses. So, you know, for most vampires, sunlight is a weakness. But I call the dancers that I trained, i.e. like the first generation of Mad Rhythms, uh, the Star Dixon, the Donetta Jackson, you know, the Jermani Taylor, the Nico Rubio, the Lee Howard. I call them daywalkers. Because they came up without the weakness to sunlight. And for me, the left foot <laughs> was one of the things I could probably compare to sunlight. And all of them are strong on their right or the left. They can do choreography on the right. And if you tell them to flip it to the left, they'll flip it. Whereas I didn't come up like that. 
All my teachers taught me everything with an emphasis on the right, right side, right foot, which is interesting because I'm left-handed. So naturally speaking, I should favor my left side as a tap dancer, but I don't because all my teachers taught me to favor the right side. So I was, you know, that's nature versus nurture where in nature, I'm technically left-handed, so left side dominant, but all my teachers taught me right side dominant, so I dance right side dominant. And so that just goes to show even teaching can change something that is natural within a student if that teaching goes against whatever that natural thing is, right? So I love that in Mad Rhythms, they're pretty much ambidextrous whatever the foot version of ambidextrous is i'm not sure it might be the same thing it might be a whole different word but they dance to the right they dance to the left so when i teach in mad rhythms tap academy it's all about doing everything on both sides building both sides equally and that's so that all of my students no matter where and what level they are in the world are stronger than the weaknesses that I had to work to overcome and to build. To this day, my left side is still not as strong as my right side. As a matter of fact, I like to tell people my right side is a college graduate with a degree in its chosen field of study, which is TAP, working as a career professional in that chosen field, which is TAP. My left foot, is in night school trying to get a GED. And that's the difference (laughs) in the abilities that I have with each foot. Now, when I first really paid attention to the fact that my left foot was severely lacking, I used to say my right foot is in college on the way to getting a degree when my left foot is still in grammar school trying to figure out if high school (laughs) is a realistic goal. So I say all that to say that I've lessened the gap between the level of my left and right foot. But again, because of the way I taught, it took me taking it upon myself to try to build my left foot. And so as a teacher, I try to make sure that all my students are right and equally left side dominant. They can switch. They can do everything on either or. And then music when i learned to tap i learned it all as the dance and only because i had an affinity and a love for music that i figure out like i could always hear the one i could always hear what the phrasing was when the phrasing ended or when the phrasing changed but none of my teachers ever taught me tap in musical terms or basic music theory terms So it wasn't till, so I learned tap. And then on the back end of learning tap, I learned music theory. And so as a teacher, I teach music theory as a part of learning the basics of tap. Because I think being able to identify phrases, uh, quarter notes, half notes, all these things enables tap dancers, one, to understand music better but two, to communicate with musicians better. And that I had to learn the hard way. I'll tell you this story real quick. 
Um, one of the first times Professor Robert Reed invited me and my cousin, who this is this is way before Mad Rhythms, who tapped together to the St. Louis Tap Festival. He made sure that every act, he used a live band for the concert. And his his statement was, I don't believe in canned music. I didn't even know what that meant quite. But so any group had to dance with the live band. Well, I had no experience dancing with a live band. Didn't know quite what that meant. And so one of the funniest things is, is getting in front of that band and trying to count them in. I knew from watching other tap dancers sound check, I knew that I could at least set tempo with running flaps. So I get out there in front of this band and I'm I'm going to command the stage. I'm going to show them and tell them what tempo that I want to dance at. And I go five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Nothing happens. And I think it's just because they didn't hear me. So I start running my flaps again. Five, six, seven, eight. And the band does nothing. So by the third time, I'm starting to question if this band is competent. <laughs> right? I am questioning the band's competence because I don't understand musical phrasing and therefore notes and, and measures if it's in 4-4 four, four time, then you're counting 1, 2, 3, 4. 1, 2, 3, 4. So it took the director, the band director, to tell me, well, we don't count in eights because the music isn't in eights. And so I got on-the-job experience of learning the musicality that goes along with tap and even terminology and what it meant. So as soon as I said, Flap, 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 flap. One, two, three, four. The band came right in on that tempo. And although it was embarrassing, I think it was the best way for me to learn very quickly the difference between a lot, the way a lot of dancers count and the way the musicians count. And I'm sure the musicians probably knew what I meant and could have came in after five, six, seven, eight, but they chose to teach me. And I'm forever grateful because I learned that lesson. But then learning how to arrange a tune, telling the band where you want the stop time or the uh, two-bar breaks to come in and out, uh, tempo, setting tempo, um, being able to change the feel, like uh, we're swinging, this is a hard swing, let's put it in a Latin groove. Like All of that comes with knowing what a musician knows. And that comes from knowing basic music theory. So as tap dancers... We rely on that, like I often tell the company and and the students. The jazz we're dancing to, those are musicians performing it. And if we're musicians, we should be able to do whatever they do. And I think that's the theory behind Mad Rhythms in a nutshell, or the ideology, is that we are musicians, we are artists, we are creatives. So we should be able to express ourselves rhythmically the same way any other artists, musicians, and creatives can express themselves. That's why I love the terminology even, tap dancers. Well, that's not the only reason. But one of the main reasons, tap dancers versus tappers. First of all, tap dancers 
sounds cooler. Tappers just sounds corny to me. But two, tap dancers is what the hoofers call themselves. When you read interviews or see them in interviews, and they often refer to themselves as tap dancers. So if I'm emulating them and wanting to be like them and wanting to uphold their standards, then I'm also going to refer to myself and those around me the same way. Tappers is the dance school's take on tap dancers, which doesn't mean it's not legit. However, I think it, Uh, what's what's a good way to say it? I think it ignores the hoofers aesthetic in the history of the dance. So tap dancers, for historic reasons, connected to the legends of the masters, is the term we prefer. That's part of our ideology. Trying to be or live up to the standards that they set as tap dancers but also because tap is twofold. Tap is what you hear. Dance is what you see. Tap dance is an audio visual art form. So therefore we are tap dancers because we are literally making the music that we are dancing to in real time. And you see it and you hear it and it all connects to make what you enjoy from a tap dancer. So I know a lot of people ask me that. And so I wanted to put that out there. Right. I also don't like a lot of and I've been guilty of using it myself. So don't get me wrong. This is not me pointing the finger. I'm, I'm first pointing the finger at myself. But I remember when I was growing up. We called ourselves tap dancers. And then when noise funk came out. We called ourselves funk tap dancers because we wanted to associate our style with the way save Vian Glover. I was about to say save, but I realize you might not know who I'm talking about. So I, that's why you heard save Vian Glover um, might the, the way that they all danced in that show. If you've ever saw bring in scene, bring in the noise, bring in the funk, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, I wish that you did, but seeing that low to the ground style, even though that's what the hoofers were doing, right? But equating it with them, also seeing young black men dressed in Timberlands and FUBU hats and like, you know, it, it, I identified wholeheartedly with them and their style, both on and off the wood, that I was like, okay, I'm going to be, matter of fact, it wasn't even funk tap dancer. It was funk tapper. So to be exact, I'm guilty of all of, the stuff that I wholeheartedly teach against now. But remember, it's about building strength so that others don't have the same weakness. But I remember, and I always give props to Dormisha. Uh, she was in town for one of the earlier versions of the Chicago Tap Summit. And we all went to this spot to eat afterwards. Uh, uh, Le Blanco de Palacio, <laughs> the White Palace. Um, little 24 hour diner in Chicago. And she said, what's a funk tapper? <laughs> and I was like, that's me. And I'm looking at her like, how you don't know you was in noise funk. Like, you, da, 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 da. you know, I got all this, like now you challenging my, 
my manhood, my tap dance hood. Um, and I said, you know, I tried to describe it and she said, okay, but what's a funk tapper? And I'm like, well, you know, cause I, you know, I'm funky with it. I puts it down. I dance to, to funk music, to, to funkier music, to hip hop. She said, oh, so you're a tap dancer that dances to different kinds of music. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. So in that moment, in that instance, one of my peers in the game, Dormisha, immediately corrected my whole title that I had given myself to what I really was. And that was a tap dancer. That was performing the art of tap dance. So sometimes when I'm, 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 I'm paying attention on Facebook and all these things erupt, these conversations and these debates and these arguments and somebody will say, well, well, who are you? Who gives you the right? Nobody owns tap. <coughs> I just laugh because I'm always thinking, yeah, but they are pretty, there are practitioners of the dance. And those practitioners have passed down the legacy. And it's our duty to continue to pass down the legacy and the standard of excellence that they gave to the dance as we perform the dance, as we contain the dance. And so... I could have been like, well, you're my peer. You know, you, you're not one of the, 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 the elder statesmen or women. What gives you that right? But right is right. And when she was right, she was right. Um, I remember I had master teacher on my business cards. And I've told this story a lot of times, but I want you all to hear it. And this was um, at the original uh, Detroit Tap Festival. And I remember it was... Um, Having brunch, I guess you would say, was um, Lloyd Story, Dr. Charlie Atkins, uh, Dr. Henry Latang, and maybe Prince Spencer. I got to go back and look at the picture that I took with all them, but they were all having breakfast and I walked in. A up and coming tap dancer, hungry, wanting to be like them, idolizing them, and I hand, um, I hand them my business card, and my business card used to say, <laughs> "This is the same business card that had Funk Tapper on it, mind you." Also had Master Teacher, and I hand them my card, and I say, "Hey, if you ever need me." Don't hesitate to call. Here's my business card. And I walked away with such pride and, and feeling so wonderful about having giving my business cards to these elder statesmen of the dance and that the possibility that they might call me was a real thing. And Dr. Henry Latang, as I'm walking away, very loudly says, Master Teacher. And I stopped dead in my tracks. I turned around and I said, yes, yes, sir. And he said, master teacher, he repeated it. And now I'm knowing how bad this must sound in the presence of masters. 
And he <laughs> and he said, I got shoes older than you. How are you a master teacher? And so I credit Dr. Henry Latang. I immediately threw those cards away. First chance I got, got new business cards. And they said, when my original said, Brill Barrett, funk tapper, master teacher, choreographer. My new card said, Brill Barrett, tap dancer, instructor, choreographer. So I say all that and tell those two stories to talk about how the dance and members of the community from the elders to, you know, the, the person who dances beside me or dances on festivals and shows with me all schooled me to the game, to the dance and how to better represent it. And I took all of that into starting Mad Rhythms. And that was 21 years ago. And I still didn't know what I was doing. I knew more at that time than I did maybe a year or two prior to that. But when I started Mad Rhythms, even that came out of wanting to do something for my community. But also I saw these kids everywhere I taught as an instructor that seemed to have fire, an extra little bit of um for the dance. And so inviting them to jam with me and that's Mad Rhythms is such an improvisational based tap dance company, even though choreography is not a problem. But improv is how we really connected me with those young boys back in the day. Improv is how we had conversations. My sister Star being the first girl to join Mad Rhythms because she said, why I got to be all boys? improvisation were the conversations we had to sort through all of that and so i believe that improvisation is crucial to teaching tap dance because it teaches you not only do we as teachers have to teach more approaches to each individual step but then you if you take it home and dance to your favorite song then now you're making tap your own from the beginning. If all you got are toes and heels and digs and slaps, you'll take those home and remix them and try them to different songs and music. One, you're practicing, so it's probably the best way to practice. But two, you're also making it your own. So you're immediately equating these steps with what you want to say and how you want to say it. And I think that is the crux of the ideology or the... <clears throat> the pedagogy of mad rhythms and my approach to the dance is literally I'm copying what the legends did, what the hoofers of old did and making the dance be an extension of your voice, not just steps that you copy, not just steps that you do, but statements that you make emotions that you share moods that you invite others to be a part of tap dance is so much more for me tap dance is my sanity i can't even begin to tell you how i would have gotten through the pandemic that the pandemic that unfortunately we're still in but without tap dance i also refer to tap dance as my religion 
And many of my Christian friends and family have said, that's blasphemy. That's blasphemous. How dare. And I'm like, well, let me explain it. When I improvise, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just start dancing. So for me, I am most closely connected to spirit, connected to God, connected to Allah, connected to Jesus, connected to Obatala. I am most connected to spirit when I am improvising because I don't know where the steps are coming from. I can't explain it. If you ask me, I couldn't tell you. That's why I call tap my religion. It's my sanity. It's my religion. It's literally how I process the world we live in, both on and off the wood. It's my way of life. So therefore, it's important to me to the point that I make sure that I am respecting and representing it fully and teaching others to respect and represent it fully. Um, yeah, I know I just went on a long tangent and I hope y'all stay with me, but that's why, again, the terminology, rhythm tap, classical tap, jazz tap, hip hop, punk tap, Broadway tap. I don't like any of that. We're all tap dancers. And depending on what the situation calls for, we adapt our approach to fit that situation. What most people think of as Broadway tap is just being on your toes. I think any tap dancer can do that. What most people think of as funk tap or hip hop tap is just dropping your heels. I think uh, any talented, skilled tap dancer can do that. And that's why it boils down to technique. Technique is what drives you. Technique is what creates your toolbox so that you can then pull those tools out as you decide how you want to approach the dance. And yes, I know I don't hear it a lot, but I still refer to tap as the dance, something holier than thou, even though all of us that practice it may not be holier than thou. But the dance itself is sacred. And I think if you have that reverence for tap dance, then when you approach it, you're going to approach it with that reverence, with that respect. Anything can't just work. Anything can't just be. It has to have a purpose. It has to mean something. It has to be an extension of you. And so when you're dancing to a certain groove, you're not just dancing to that groove, you're in that groove. You're a part of that groove. When you dance to So What, you and Miles Davis are playing together. And I think we don't necessarily talk about and teach and share that connection with our students as much as we probably should. When I think about Chicago and the specific legacy of Mad Rhythms, or myself in Chicago, I want to be remembered always for bringing something to the game, like contributing to tap dance instead of just looking for tap dance to be 
my way out, my vehicle, right? Think about this, the Whitman sisters, some of the most famous women in tap in Chicago, dancers, singers, producers, producing shows at a time when not many women were producing and definitely not black women. Well, the Whitman sisters were from Chicago, so I am upholding their legacy. The Bruce sisters. I remember the first time step I ever learned, Sadie and Mary Bruce. I learned the Sadie Bruce time step from Mr. Taps, one of my teachers. And I had no idea who Sadie Bruce was at the time. But then talking to uh, Miss Foster, who was the director now retired of the Sammy Dyer School of Theater, which is one of the oldest black owned institutions of dance in the country named after another Chicago legend, Sammy Dyer. She talked about being raised in the Sadie Bruce school. And when Sadie Bruce couldn't do anything else with her, she sent her to Sammy Dyer. So I'm like, you see this beautiful legacy and this connection of what is tap and how Chicago has always worked together and connected with each other. Um, Leon Collins that's Aunt Diane, a.k.a. Diane Walker. That's her mentor, was her mentor. Taught her, you know, was a staple in the Boston tap scene, but came from Chicago. Dr. Jenny Lagan came from Chicago. The Chocolate Princess of Hollywood. Like, the, the only adult female partner of Bojangles. The only black woman to receive a multi-major motion picture contract in Hollywood was from Chicago. I touched on Sammy Dyer. That's the school where I come from. That's one of the first schools I taught at, so I know I carry that legacy in my dance. Jimmy Payne, my instructor, Mr. Taps, and also one of our other Chicago great dancers, Reggio the Hoofer McLaughlin, studied under Jimmy Payne. Jimmy Payne Jr., his son, also represents Tap Now. Sarah Payne, they represent Tap Now. Chicago, Tommy Sutton, the Mayfair Academy. It's so funny. I always thought, like when I would hear people talk about Mayfair and Sammy Dyer, that there was a rivalry going on until Miss Foster told me that Tommy would bring kids to the Sammy Dyer show. And Sammy Dyer would take kids to the Mayfair show. So I'm like, this is the history. Cook and Brown, Volville duo of the greatest, highest honor. Ernest Brownie Brown, Charles Cookie Cook, Chicago legends. So when I'm dancing, I am representing every single one of them in my dance. And that's the way I teach. That's the way I perform. That's the way I choreograph. That's the way I try to represent tap dance. So while some people may figure uh, that others don't have the right to say anything, I think we do. I think if you have adopted this as your life, as your lifestyle, and you're trying to uphold the legacy, and you see people clearly not doing that, or even executing it, and I know wrong is such a a loaded word, but maybe not in the best interest 
of the dance, then why don't we have the right to say something? To try to school and teach the same way someone said something to me. To school and teach. To make the next generation stronger because that's what evolution is. Tap will never die because it is always evolving. And it is always evolving because each generation, if taught properly, takes the foundation that was laid before them and makes that their foundation and then expands and expounds upon it. And that's how we keep this art form alive. I'm never worried about tap dying. I do realize that when I was coming up, you could count the professional tap dancers of the generation above me on one hand and still have fingers available. So I did want to change that of my generation in Chicago. There's a few more. But of the next generation that I set my sights on being a part of shaping is way more. You got to use both hands now. And I think that speaks to the legacy of the dance and how we want to shape, share, and keep that legacy alive. You can't create something that's already been created, but you can evolve something by adding to the foundation from which it was created upon. And that's my approach. That's, that's my pedagogy. That is my love story or love song or love poem or love shuffle <laughs> to the dance. And I believe the lessons that we learn also carry us beyond the dance, beyond the shuffle. I used to think that, and I say this in the documentary, that tap was my gift from God. But now I'm a firm believer that tap is the tool God gave me to make a difference in my community. And making a difference in my community is the real gift. Connecting with young people, connecting with folks through tap dance is the real gift. And if I can continue to do that, I know it sounds a little bit morbid, but if I could choose the way I want to end, go out when it's time for my life to be over on this plane, I would choose to be like the great Steve Condos and still be in my tap shoes at the end of a show, sit down and be done. If you don't know anything about that story, look up Steve Condos, one of the greats, one of the legends. I hope that this has been informational. I hope that everybody who teaches tap will embrace improvisation as a way for your students to make tap their own. And I hope that you will all, we will all try our best to uphold the legacy of this dance. And a big part of that legacy is getting the history correct. We have to stop letting lies live. And we have to start speaking the truth, giving credit where credit is due, and making sure we maintain the legacy.
And there are people doing that. And I have much love and respect for all of them. And together we make the changes necessary to grow this art form. Tap dance is a beautiful art form. Excuse me. But that beautiful art form has been forged out of the pain and suffering of generations upon generations of dedicated tap dancers. From being able to perform, but having to come in the back door because black people weren't allowed to come in the front door. For the black women in TAP's history to almost be all but forgotten, erased from the history, these are the things we have to correct. And these are the things that I think together we will correct. So as we do in all my TAP classes, this podcast is no exception On the count of three, respect the dance. One, two, three, respect the dance. Thank you all. Peace.